Thank you. The children are dismissed to children's church. Children are dismissed to children's church. And here in just a moment, I want to show one more little sermon intro video, one more Memorial Day video. You see, it is Memorial Day weekend, and we remember and honor our fallen heroes today. But before we get started, just give your attention just for two more minutes to the screen, please. Dear Dad, after all these years, I've never stopped writing. I still remember many of the letters I've written you, and the moments I wish you could have seen. Dear Daddy, I'm sad you had to leave, but I'm trying real hard to remember that you told me you'll always love me and to write you all the time. I didn't want you to go, but you pulled me close and hugged me tight, and you said that some things are worth fighting for. Dear Daddy, I learned how to roller skate today. You'd be so proud. I fell down sometimes and skinned my knees, so I tried again and again. I was brave just like you. Hey Dad, sorry I haven't been in a while. I'm 14 today, can you believe it? Don't worry though, no boyfriends. Mom and I are doing well. Sometimes we get lonely, but it's not too bad. Dear Dad, high school graduation. I really wish you were here today. College is just around the corner. I'm staying close to home though. I figured you'd want me to help keep an eye on Mom. Dear Dad, today I married the man of my dreams. He reminds me of you. He's gentle, yet strong. He loves serving me, and he can make me laugh all the time, just like you could. Granddaddy went ahead and walked me down the aisle, said that you'd be proud of me. It was a wonderful day seeing so many friends. We talked about you a lot and how we wished you were here. Oh, Daddy, I love coming to visit you. This time, I brought someone else. Your granddaughter. I tell her about you all the time. We talk about the letters I write you and that maybe she can write you too someday. Yesterday, she told me she'd love to meet you. So I pulled her close, hugged her tight, and told her about how some things in this world are worth fighting for, even dying for. Love always, your daughter. In that powerful and emotional video, at the very beginning as she's writing that letter, she says that she remembered her father saying a few words, saying a statement, and that statement was this, it was, some things are worth fighting for. It's assumed that this statement was said shortly before he went off into the military, who knows where, shortly before he apparently must have died serving this country, serving her, serving you, serving me. You see, freedom's never free. Freedom requires sacrifice. 
And those words kind of bring it all together in that picture, that video brings it together. Some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth fighting for. And we see some numbers here. In the American Revolutionary War, 25,324 lives were sacrificed for freedoms which we enjoy today. In the Civil War, across both sides fighting for their beliefs and for freedoms which we celebrate today, there was 655,000 lives sacrificed. In World War I, 116,516 lives. In World War II, 405,399 lives. In the Korean War, 54,246 And I'm not finished yet. In the Vietnam War, 58,148 American lives. In the Gulf War, 148. Afghanistan, 1,140. The Gulf War, I'm sorry, Iraq War, 4,602. And these numbers could be flawed. They could be approximate. They could be outdated. But it does bring us this massive number, this total of 1,320,523 lives, or a simpler number, 1.32 million American lives have been sacrificed for what what we have today. And these numbers are lives, real lives, American lives. These are people who have died for our country, have served you, have served me, have served all of us. For the freedoms we now have, for freedom is never free. Freedom requires sacrifice, but some things are worth fighting for. You see, the lives of these fallen soldiers, of these Americans, of these people, are more than just statistics. They're more than just numbers. As we saw in that video, these people are fathers. They're mothers. They're grandfathers grandmothers, their husbands, their wives, their brothers, their sisters, their nephews, their nieces, their grandchildren. And some of these people are still serving today, and you know these people, and you should thank them for their service. But this weekend, we remember those who have sacrificed their life for some things are worth fighting for. But I have another number for you. And this number is a big number, it's a huge number, and it's a number which is ever-changing, sometimes going up, sometimes going down, but going up throughout all of history. Let me give you this number. 7 billion, 900 million, and some hundred thousand, or 7.9 billion people. That is the estimated number of people who are alive today around the world. And let me take this one step further. Given these estimates... Those alive in 2021 represent 7 or 8% of the total amount of people that have lived among all of our histories since the beginning of time. Now, obviously, this number is approximate, for we didn't have the record-keeping we have today back a couple thousand years ago. But this would mean that the total estimated number of people which have lived throughout all of time is 113 billion 857 million, 142,857 people. Let me say that again. 113 billion, 
857,142,857 people, or to simplify this number, 113.857 billion people. Now, why do I give you this number? 113.857 billion people. Because God loves every single one of them. God desires a relationship with every single one of them. 113.857 billion people God loves so much that he sent Jesus to die for them. Today we celebrate, we honor, remember the lives of American soldiers which have died for the freedoms which we celebrate today or this weekend we do. But every single day we should celebrate Jesus who God sent yet while we were still sinners out of his love for us that we might have eternal life, eternal blessings, everlasting love and mercy. Because some things are worth fighting for. You're worth fighting for to God. God saw you worth fighting for. God saw us worth fighting for, even though we're not worth fighting for, even though we're all inherently sinners and constantly disobeying God and his word and failing him. God still saw that we were worth sending his son so that we could have a restored relationship with him. We are at war today, still today. And I'm not talking about Iraq, Afghanistan, I'm not talking about the war that we're at in our marriages, but we are because Satan wants to get into our marriages. Satan wants to get into our families. Satan wants to do anything he can to divide us from God. Satan is wanting to get in our schools and in our communities. He wants to get in every friendship that you have, every grocery store, every single place we go. Ultimately, because we are at war with sin and we need Jesus. You see, this war on sin, it couldn't be won by American lives. It couldn't be won by Russian lives. It couldn't be won by Canadian or Mexican or the Chinese or any other ordinary life. We needed Jesus. And God sent Jesus because some things are worth fighting for. But freedom is never free. Here's the big idea for today. God reconciled us to himself by making us alive when we were dead. We continue today in Ephesians chapter 2, and you're welcome to turn there if you like. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. I'll have it on the screen for you as well. But what we see today is that God reconciled us to himself by making us alive when we were dead. Reconciled. That's a big word, and some people may not know what that means. So I wanted to explain it. Reconciled means to restore a relationship. God has restored a relationship between us and him, between us, his children, and the everlasting almighty God, Lord of all creation. And this is through Jesus. But let's expand upon this. You see, we have an expanded statement, and that's this. God has made us alive in Christ. That's what you're going to see today as we read Ephesians chapter 2. He has given us his grace that he might display his greatness through the works that he has prepared for every believer every day. You see, just as in this video, that daughter was an image, a display of her father's love. She's able to write this letter and tell her father about all these things that she's able to do because of his love. 
We can write our Father in heaven and talk about all the things that we're able to do because of the love of Jesus. That daughter in her image, in her memories, her stories are, are displays of her Father's love. And we are displays of God's love, works, and greatness ourselves. Let's read from Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 10. We'll read this. And you, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." Verse 4 of chapter 2 of Ephesians says this, But God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages... He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them freedom is never free freedom requires sacrifice freedom requires hard choices to be made and every single day we see this happening i think about that quote still some things are worth fighting for and if you cried if you teared up during that video you're not alone i did as well jessica might be watching this morning you should have seen her tearing up some of you know that we can be emotional, but God gave us these emotions, and they can be good as they help us to realize what he's trying to tell us. Freedom is never free. Some things are worth fighting for. Truly, we are not worthy, yet God saw us as being worthy of his love because he desired to have a relationship with us. He desired us to be restored. He desired us to have Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that such a blessing? That he sees us worthy through his plan. He sees us worthy through his plan and through Jesus. We're worthy not because of our works. We're not worthy because we're good. No, none are good. No, not one. We're worthy through Jesus' body and blood. We're worthy through Jesus' acts upon the cross his sacrifice for us. So as we celebrate our heroes who have died, may we not forget to remember our Lord. Verse 1 states, we were dead. Let's look at this for a moment. Whereas a soldier may often go to war to protect the freedoms, a soldier may often go to war to protect the lives of those who gloves. We were already dead. God waged war on our sin to redeem us, to bring us back to life, to make us alive once again, to bring back some sort of freedom and blessings to our life, which we had taken away from ourselves. 
We are already dead, already being controlled by the enemy, controlled by sin and the things of this world. Verse 1 to 3 talks about this, but look to verse 3 in your Bibles. It states, We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We don't like to think about that, do we? We don't like to think about our past. But Paul here gives us a definition of our past lives as Christians, our present lives as Christians, and our future lives as Christians. We may be alive now, we may be anew now, but we never forget that at one time we were dead. And nothing could ever make us alive again except for Jesus. But then we have verse 4. Let's move on. What a glorious news we see in verse 4 and on. Verse 4 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, we read, But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want to again just state, there's a soldier who goes away to war. God loves him. We love him. We celebrate and we remember him. But he's going to war. He's sacrificing his life to protect something, not just to give something. God went to war on sin to give us freedom. God went to war on sin to give us reconciliation, to give us redemption, to give us a restored life, to give us life, period. But not just any life, a new life, a different life, a life with hope, a life with joy, a life with love, a life with self-control, a life with faith, faith in something that will never let us down, but God. That's what we see here, but God. But God, because of his great mercy and love, this is how much he loves us, but God. Yet while we were sinners, yet while we were trespassing on him, living against his ways, living against his rules, his righteous ways, sent Jesus. One pastor said that we are lost due to our own spiritual suicide. Never really thought about that way. But it's interesting, isn't it? See, we're not innocent. It's not like a soldier going to war to protect the innocent. Jesus was sent to give life to the guilty. Because we're guilty of our own trespasses, our own sins, our own choices which kill us. Spiritual suicide. We make these choices. And yet God shows grace rich mercy, great love, and he saves, he redeems, and he makes us alive once again. Let's go back for a moment and just summarize where we've been and where we're going, especially if you're taking notes today. You see, Paul states here that the Christian has a past, has a present, and has a future. Number one, the past, we were dead. We were dead, and you could say a 1B and a 1C, we were dead, disobedient, and doomed. We were dead, disobedient, and doomed. We were dead due to our own circumstances, our own sins against a holy and just God and his plan. And we're doomed to hell for all eternity because of those sins. But number two, we have been brought back to life. Emphasis on the back to life. We were brought back to life. 
By God's rich mercy and great love through Jesus Christ is what we read, whom we have been saved and brought into. And now number three. Number three, we have been raised up. Raised up as if being resurrected with Christ, resurrected in Christ. Our lives have been made new. And that's what we celebrate with baptism too. As we go under the water and we raise again, we celebrate our old life dying and our new life beginning in him as our sins are washed away. But why? Why has he done this? Why has God raised us up? Why has God brought us back to life? Why has God brought us out of this sinful life, this bondage and cut the chains, removed them and given us freedom? Why did God send Jesus to fight on our behalf only to raise again three days later? Why have those who trust in Jesus been blessed with salvation from sin's control, reconciliation, redemption, a restored relationship? Why? Well, we get this answer here in Scripture today. You see, we read, but God, and then Scripture tells us what God did. Actually, chapter 2 starts with talking about us. It starts with talking about the problem. And then it talks about the solution. And then it talks about because of this solution, this is what you have to look forward to. This is what you're going to receive. Notice these words. We move from but God to so that. So that. And now you pay attention. So that in the coming ages, this is verse 7, if you want to underline, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God has saved us, raised us up so that we might have forever blessings, everlasting grace, everlasting peace, everlasting hope. And we can't imagine what it will be like because we can't measure it. It says immeasurable riches of grace and kindness through Jesus. One pastor said, I believe this was Tony Evans. I just love how he can illustrate things. He says, eternity with God will be in a, like an eternal blowing your mind experience. Isn't that funny? Eternity with God will be an eternal blow your mind experience. Wow. What immeasurable riches of grace, mercy, and love we have to look forward to. And it's not of our own doing. It's not of your, your family, your friends, your neighbors. This is something which only God could provide. Do you know Jesus? Does your friends, do your friends know Jesus? Do your family know Jesus? And I'm not talking about just knowing of Jesus, but do they trust in Jesus as Lord? Do they know of his immeasurable riches, kindness, grace, and love? Because we know we have this forevermore. They are eternal, everlasting blessings. But they begin the day of your salvation. And I think too often we fail to see that. We fail to remember that. And that's why Paul here is reminding these Ephesians, the Ephesus city and the surrounding areas, he's reminding them of where they've been but don't get so focused on your past that you fail to see the present and the future. And at the same time, don't get so focused on the present and the future that you fail to see where you've been. We need all three parts. But what do we do with all this? 
You see, God's word tells us a reason why he brings us to life. He saves us from sin. He reconciles or restores us and raises us up with his son, Jesus. But it also tells us what we're to do. What are we to do? Number one, we need to recognize that this is not of our own doing. Remember this. Or as I wrote, remember your place. Know your place. Have you ever said that to your children or maybe thought that as they spoke back to you and you think, know your place, son. Know your place, Billy Bob. God wants us to know our place. It says in verse 8 to 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Cherish this gift. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. In verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So hearing this, we need to remember our place. We need to know our place. We need to know that we are a sinner saved by the grace of God and through faith alone. And this is the difference between Christianity and every other religion of the world. Do not boast in you. Do boast in the triune God. Let me say that again. Do not boast in you. Do boast in the triune God. Again, that is the difference between every other religion and Christianity. For every other religion wants to boast in themselves, their workings, their goodness, why they deserve to go to heaven. But in Christianity, we realize we never could be good enough on our own. But we also realize we have Jesus. Some things are worth dying for. Number two is be a display of his work. Well, all his work, or as it says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. There's two parts here. The first part is we need to display his work. We are the display of God's gracious handiwork. You're his workmanship, and we should show off his work so that he may receive the glory that he deserves. But not just so that he can receive the glory that he deserves, but so that others may see the glory that is in him and that they need. Or as one pastor said, I believe this is David Platt said, people should see your good works and say, surely this is the work of God. The point of our good works isn't so that they see how good we are, it's to see how good God is. You see, although we are not saved by our good works, you're saved for good works. And what is a good work? A good work is what benefits others and glorifies God and goes along with his prescribed instructions found in his holy word. We are the display of God's gracious handiwork. And this brings us to number three, the second part of that. Display his good works, but then do a good work. Do good works. And then number four, walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. Back to the video we started with. It's a daughter writing letters to her dad who died serving his country and her while in the military. She said that she remembered him telling her that he loved her and that some things are worth dying for. You see, God loves us. God loves his creation. God loves his created world and God loves his created people. And God thinks that we were worth dying for. He sent Jesus. And it's not because we're worthy. We're sinners. But he saw what we could be through Jesus. 
God loves you and believes that you are worth fighting for. We need to walk in that truth. Walk in this truth. Walk in the truth of his word and his teachings, his commands, his love. Walk in the truth of his promises. Walk in the truth of how he tells us to live, not how the world tells us to live. In other words, walk by his example and remember what he told you. Just as his daughter remembers his words, telling her to write him often, and she's writing this letter, telling him her of his love, telling her of, of why he was fighting, we remember God's word. And we write him letters. And you can write him with a pen, with a pencil, but what God really wants is just us to communicate with him, pray to him, study his word, love him above all else, and love his people. Follow his word, his righteous ways, because they are the right ways. The ways of this world just lead to pain. But the ways of God lead to hope, future joy, peace, everlasting life. What are you going to do with your life? Will you obey his commands, his teachings? You see, freedom is never free. It requires sacrifice. Jesus was ours. Freedom requires difficult choices. Men, women, children have died for our American freedoms, and we remember them. We honor them this weekend, and we thank them for their service. But may we not forget that God sent his son Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice, that we might have eternal life, eternal blessings, eternal grace, mercy, and love. Trust in him. Remember him, honor him, and remember we are the display of God's gracious handiwork, his work. Let's close in prayer. We'll have one song to wrap up. Lord God, we thank you for we are not alone. We thank you for you are with us, Lord, and you sent your son Jesus to die on our behalf. May we celebrate our fallen heroes throughout American history this weekend, but may we also every single day celebrate the life that we have in you. May we remember these points. May we remember that we are the display of your work, of your grace, of your mercy, of your love. May we do your work. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Please stand.